I have here with me my daughter Kaylee Cornelius, who has for her entire life put up with her dad's historical nerdery and uh, being dragged off to historical sites and regaled with historical tales. And uh, she is a journalism student at the University of Oregon in her senior year. And uh, she is, uh, has developed historical interests of her own. And she wanted to talk to me a little bit about the experience of riding the trail with Kit Carson and ask me a few questions. So uh, she's gonna, the format that we're gonna take is she's just basically gonna interview me about uh, the whys and wherefores of studying the life and legacy of Kit Carson. So welcome to the Frontier Partisans podcast, Kaylee. Hello, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, I have put up with many years of being dragged around to different museums and historical sites. For example, once in Austin, Texas, we went to the Capitol building and uh, there was a life-size painting of Davy Crockett on the wall and and uh, he, was, he was pretty much nerding out to the nth degree and I, I yelled pretty loudly through the corridors of the Austin Capitol, you're such a nerd! And uh, I have myself become a nerd. I've always been a nerd, um, particularly now with British history after traveling to London. Uh, so I will be interviewing, interviewing my dad today, asking him a few questions about why, uh, why Kit Carson, and, and uh, so here we go. So what made you decide to have Kit Carson be the first subject of your Frontier Partisans podcast? Well, I mentioned uh, in the very first podcast episode that, that I've kind of made a, a point of griping about TV shows and documentaries focusing on, on famous people at the expense of equally interesting but more obscure stories, and then violated that principle immediately to, uh, to focus on one of the most famous of frontiersmen. And the reason that I did it is it has a lot to do with the current turmoil that the nation is is undergoing in a reckoning with our history. And Carson's just a an absolute lightning rod for the controversies over American frontier history in particular or borderlands history. And he's been regarded in the, the old triumphalist narrative as, as a sort of knight in buckskin and a making a way for a superior civilization. And then in revisionist history, which started to gain traction in the, in the 50s, but really took off in the 60s and 70s, um, his actions, especially in, in the campaign against the Navajo in 1863 and 1864, were regarded as, as genocidal. And, uh, you know, the facts of the matter didn't change. It's our, our impressions of them that have changed and our frame of reference has changed. And, and I think that, you know, the pendulum of, of historical interpretation, both of people's biographies and of, of uh, historical phenomena, a pendulum swings and it swings to extremes. And it's a little trite to say it's somewhere in the middle, but but that's the reality. And Carson is neither a, a paragon nor is he a, a genocidal, you know, proto-Nazi ethnic cleanser. Um, he was a, a man living in very complicated times 
as as he himself put it, trying to do the best that he could. And those people are actually quite fascinating because they're relatable to you and me. I mean, we're we don't know if our actions are will be viewed down the line as right or wrong. We're all just trying to do our best. And I really feel that Carson was trying to do the best that he could in, in complex and challenging and very violent times. And I, I feel even more so having spent the time that I, I spent with him in researching this podcast. Okay, so kind of off of that a little bit, um, you, you know, you talk about television shows and stuff like that. So is Kit Carson one of those guys that we see in our shows that we watch that isn't really a bad guy or a good guy? And he, should he be considered either way? You know, that's a that's an interesting question because that's a, a storytelling framework. And and it gets at, at one of the aspects of history that, that's really fascinating to me, which is that you have a set of facts and a biography, but those are all open to interpretation and and the story you spin out of them. And uh, yeah, you can you can spin Carson in a in a variety of different ways. I I think that he was heroic in the the kind of classical definition you know that would be familiar to the the people who first chanted the the verses of Beowulf. Not a good guy doing good deeds, but a mighty man doing mighty deeds. And in a, a very heroic context, the, the native peoples also had a, a sense of, of the heroic life. And so I think Kit Carson is a hero, but not in the white hat conventional sort of sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. So, uh, what do you think is the most intriguing aspect of studying Carson? Did you learn something new about him that you didn't know before? I mean, our living room is littered with books of upon books uh, about Carson and about uh, your next subject for the podcast. So, in this studying, did you learn anything new about him that you didn't know? Or has your perception of him changed at all in studying Kit Carson? I wouldn't say that my perceptions of Carson have changed significantly. Uh, I didn't start out thinking one way and end up thinking something different about him, but certainly it, it's deepened. One of the, the things that struck me the most powerfully was that just how incredibly active Carson's life was. Uh, the guy couldn't sit still and didn't sit still for the entirety of, you know, relatively short life. Um, he was incredibly well-traveled all over the American West and, and from coast to coast. Um, he traveled to, to Washington, D.C. several times. And just that, that incredible level of activity, which was mostly driven, I think, by, uh, well, I think it was driven by two things. I think that that He's kind of like uh, you know some of the musicians that that we know a bit addicted to the road. Um, you know, you used to say the highway was your home, um, as the Steve Earle song goes. But uh, they, that's definitely a part of it. He he loved to travel and loved loved to be on the road. 
But he was also really driven by a, a sense of duty, and he couldn't say no to leaders who wanted his services. And that's why he went out with Fremont three times. That's why he he served uh, General Carlton even when he was, was sick and, and just really wanted to be home with his family. So he was quite driven in, uh, you know, almost a frenetic level of activity. That really made an impression on me. And the other thing that I, I really developed a, a better understanding of, in I think our very first podcast, um, I mentioned Hampton Sides, who wrote a great book about Carson and the Navajo War called uh, Blood and Thunder. And it's very successful, popular history. And I took Sides to task a little bit for referring to Carson as a a natural born killer. And I, I still think that that's, that that carry, using a term like that carries a lot of baggage that I don't think is necessarily appropriate, but I more clearly see where sides was coming from. Carson was really a violent man, uh, capable of great violence. And it was, it was an interesting thing. The reason I don't like the natural born killer uh, phrase is that, that it seems to imply to me somebody who enjoyed killing for killing's sake. And I don't think that Carson fits that bill. He really only had one violent personal quarrel in his life. The episode with uh, Schonard in, uh, at the 1835 Rendezvous, where, which was a personal duel and very likely was fought over uh, Shonar's treatment of the the Arapaho girl that Carson eventually married, but in the line of duty, Carson committed a, a, a fair number of, of acts of, of sometimes really brutal violence, and um, I he was just way more comfortable with violence than modern Americans tend to be comfortable with. Um, he he was not hesitant to use it in his younger years. He was very pugnacious and combative, which you can maybe attribute to his, his small stature. That's kind of a stereotype, but it, it may apply. I think that, that he was also trying to establish himself in the company of mountain men who were extremely tough and, and not afraid to, to resort to, to violence when necessary. And, uh, so in, in order to show leadership amongst men like that, he was, he was pretty combative that changed when he became responsible for the lives and welfare of others as a soldier and a commander. And he became considerably more cautious, but he was a ferocious man. And, and there was the one episode where, where he killed California prisoners in cold blood that really does kind of lend itself to, to Side's interpretation that, that he was a killer. And uh, I don't think of that as a, a black mark on his personality. It came out of the Scots-Irish culture where if you messed with us, you were going to get messed with in, in a big way in return. That sense of retributive justice, that was all part of his culture and on a part of the, the environment that he grew up in. So I don't think that 
that that makes him the bad guy about black hat. Um, but it, it can't be ignored. And the, the killing of the prisoners is, uh, it kind of takes you aback and you wonder, well, you know, maybe he was a little bit too, too easy on the trigger with, uh, you know, using violence to, to solve problems. And in that case, it was just a problem of, of Fremont not wanting to, to deal with prisoners. So anyway, that's a long winded, long winded answer, but, um, I gained a, a greater depth of understanding of, of just how violent a personality Carson was, while at the same time beloved of his friends and a family man, and you know that makes him a complex human being. Right, yeah, and I feel like even, um, like you mentioned of the times, the violent times, it was different times, and Americans look at, at that as a... Uh, is a negative usually that kind of violence, but also it was kind of a part of the time of that era. A part of the time of that era, and a part of all of the cultures that he enacted interacted with. Um, it was the Hispanic culture that he became uh, affiliated with and, and really a part of, and the the Plains and Rocky Mountain Native peoples were their their lives were built around the hunt and warfare. So it was not exceptional by, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, he was just particularly good at it. Right. So kind of off of that, actually, it's a good segue into my next question. You know, yes, he's considered a frontiersman, but he's also considered a soldier. So what makes Carson such a successful soldier in your mind? I know you've touched on a little bit of this, but specifically what made him a good, a good soldier in the true sense of the word? Yeah, and actually, that's one of the interesting things about Carson that I, I didn't fully appreciate until I dived in. Not a whole lot of mountain men wound up being soldiers, and I don't think any of them, other than Carson, became army officers. He was a, an officer, a, a colonel of volunteers, but uh, he was a military officer. Lots of, of mountain men became government officials, Indian agents, and, and that sort of thing. But I don't think that there were, were many and, and maybe no others that achieved that kind of prominence as a, as a military man. And I, as you say, I did allude to this. I think one of the, the qualities that, that set Carson apart as a soldier is that he really shifted his, his outlook when he became a, an officer in a leadership position responsible for other people. And it really toned down his aggressiveness. Uh, he became, in his later years, uh, cautious to the point where some of his younger officers accused him of, of cowardice, which is, is ridiculous, but it's also understandable. You know, young, impetuous men that wanted to charge off to glory. And Carson's, Carson was very inclined to Say now we're gonna we're not gonna bite off more than we can chew, which was was wise. Um, and commanders who who didn't exhibit that wisdom came to a bad end on the plains in uh, in a number of very famous incidents. I think that you know Carson's record as a soldier was mixed. The Navajo campaign was successful, but boy, what an ugly. Uh, inglorious campaign it was. I mean, it was just a grinding war of, of attrition, and and it had more to do with with destroying their livelihood than and certainly than than fighting any kind of 
pitched battles. Um, his big battle against the Kiowa and Comanche at Adobe Walls was a a tactical, probably a tactical draw or even a defeat. He he would have said he was whipped. He did say he was whipped. Um, from a strategic standpoint, it was it was a modest success. So he wasn't a, a, a world beater as a soldier, but he was successful. And I think that the main thing that made him so was that sense of duty. He, he did the work. And he did the work under arduous circumstances uh, with facing challenges personally in terms of being away from his family and being very ill. And uh, he just, he was determined to do his duty and he did it. And that is really fundamental to success as a soldier, that sense of responsibility and duty. Absolutely. So uh, my last question actually is a little bit, talking a little bit in the future of future podcast episodes. So will Carson come back in any other, in any other podcast episodes? Maybe not as the subject, obviously, but as part of whoever the subject is and what can we hope to look forward to in the future. We'll probably see Kit again when we, uh, I, I'm sure that, that I'll be doing some podcasts um, that, uh, that feature other mountain men and Carson was everywhere in the West. So a lot of, and it was a small group of, of men really that were involved in the Rocky mountain fur trade. So inevitably if I talk about uh, Jim Beckworth, who was the the famous uh, uh, ex-slave who became a mountain man, we'll definitely run across Carson at the very least because they, they shared a mistress briefly. Um, if I talk about Jim Bridger, we'll we'll run into Kit Carson. Um, you know any of those any of those people uh, crossed Carson's path. But the immediate future for the podcast. Uh, we're heading to uh, to the Highlands of Scotland for the next one, and talking about Scots in uh, as a frontier people, both in Scotland and then uh, in North America as part of the the fur trade. Who knows? You know, <laughs> somebody uh, somebody with a Mac in front of their last name is probably going to encounter Kit Carson. Um, and then subsequently to that, I, I plan to go back into the, uh, the Revolutionary War frontier in New York and the Ohio Valley and talk about the loyalist frontier partisans of that era so that there won't be any Carson in that. But again, that's why I chose him to be the, the lead off. He, was, he, was, he looms very large for a guy that was, was barely five and a half feet tall. And, uh, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly cross his path again. All righty. Well, that's all I have for questions. Is there anything else you would want to say in, in wrap up to the Kit Carson episodes? Yeah, I, I want to, uh, to make note of some of the, the research materials that I used. Um, very, very important book uh, to, to start with if you're interested in, in delving into Carson's life in, in more detail. You kind of want to start with uh, Dear Old Kit, which is his memoir dictated to his clerk in 1856, but it's heavily annotated by uh, Harvey Lewis Carter, and that's a great starting place. Um, I also found Robert 
Utley's book, A Life Wild and Perilous, which is a history of, of the fur trade and, and the paths to the Pacific. I found that very helpful. Um, when I was a, just a teenager, I discovered Winford Blevins's book, Give Your Heart to the Hawks, which was his tribute to the mountain men. And I uh, think that that was a, a probably that and and the Alan W. Eckert book, The Frontiersman, about Simon Kenton, were probably the two most important books that I've ever read because they really set my feet down this path. And Give Your Heart to the Hawks has quite a bit about Carson in it. Um, the uh, uh, Mark Simmons book, Kit Carson and His Three Wives, is an excellent uh, specialist study on, on Carson's family life. Uh, it's very, very challenging to document the lives of women in this era in general and particularly in the fur trade because they, they left very few traces and um, Simmons does a really remarkable job of using historic the cultural context to kind of get at what uh, the nature of Carson's relationships with his his wives were and uh you know, it's important to, to get there because uh, his life was not all blood and thunder. And he truly was a devoted family man. And, and that's an aspect of his life and personality that, that might not come through without uh, a book like uh, Simmons to, to get you there. Um, another important book in that regard, uh, probably the most important book for me in that regard is... Uh, Tom Dunlay's Kit Carson and the Indians. I think it's probably one of the best works of borderland history that, that I've ever read. And it goes into um, Carson's relationship with the native peoples, not just as an adversary and not just the blood and thunder aspects of it, but his work as an Indian agent. And, you know, we always like, like, authors who tend to affirm our point of view. And, and Dunley and I are, are very simpatico in our views. I think that he has the right, the right gauge on Carson and the context of his culture and his times. And uh, he's, he's not an apologist per se, but he certainly doesn't buy His book was deliberately written as a counter to the, the black myth of Carson as, as this sort of genocidal figure. And it's just a tremendous book. He was a really good writer and, and it's, you know, it's not something you would read as a casual biography, but if you're seriously interested in Carson, you can't you can't not read the the book. Um, probably the the easiest and uh, most enjoyable and entertaining entree into a deeper look at Kit Carson is is Hampton Hampton Sides Blood and Thunder. Really, is an excellent book. He's a he's a fine fine writer, and he tells the tale really well. And uh, you know, I. I I don't mean anything that I've said in any of these podcasts to, to be a criticism per se of, of the, that book. Um, I love it. I disagree with sides um, a little bit in some interpretation, but uh, I just think it's, it's an excellent book. And if you just want to read one and, and done, um, that's, a, that's a good one to, to start with. So Kaylee, thank you for sitting down with me and, and talking about this. It's, it's so much fun to, to share uh, an interest in history and, and it's fun to watch Kaylee 
become interested in in paths of her own and exploring those paths. Um, I see a lot of myself in in uh, in her enthusiasm and and uh, you know for me history is just such a rich tapestry and it doesn't really matter you know what thread you you follow um, you're going to be enriched by it and and it's it's fun and exciting for me to see her develop that interest um, and uh, you know who knows maybe we'll uh, we'll count a trip to Edinburgh as a research trip for uh, the next podcast, but it will be like a retroactive Mm -hmm. research, Mm -hmm. (laughs) research trip. Yes. At this point, we were going to go to, uh, she was, Kaylee was a, um, doing a study abroad program in the UK when, uh, the coronavirus hit and it cut her, her time there in half. And we were going to, to go there at the end of her, of her time there and fly back with her. So now we've got a, a plane ticket to, uh, to the UK that is good until 2022. And I'm thinking we're going to probably, uh, fly into Scotland and, and, uh, and take it from, from that angle. Yeah. But anyway, it's just, it's, it's a delight to, to pursue history. And I, I, obviously it's a passion of mine and I enjoy sharing it with, uh, with all of you. And I want to give a a shout out to uh, my friend Paul McNamee, who has been a longtime supporter of my work. Thanks, Paul, for all the the support over the years and the encouragement. And uh, keep an eye peeled for a Patreon page, which will be up before the Highland Scots series. So if you're interested in providing some ongoing support, that would be greatly appreciated because... the, the beaver trapping has been pretty, uh, pretty sketchy for for many years now, and, and it's just not gonna not gonna do to support the, the podcast. And, and they frown on uh, on shooting buffalo for the robes now. So uh, I'm gonna just rely on on actual cash. So that Patreon page will be up soon. Uh, the Highland Scots episodes will drop sometime at the end of January, beginning of February, depending on how quickly I can get uh, get things together. I'm tremendously enjoying the research and reading for, for that podcast, and uh, I think that you're going to enjoy those stories uh, just as much or more than uh, Kit Carson. So uh, thanks for stopping by the campfire, and we'll see you down the trail.